0: I have always loved being a nurse, love being a nurse. I have never had a shift where I dreaded driving to work and didn't want to be there. And then I got to that point where I loved being a nurse and I hated my job. I'm a strong person. I'm resilient. I take a lot, right? Like I've got some broad shoulders too. And I just felt like if I'm strong and confident and resilient and I feel this way, you know, then I know the other strong and confident and resilient nurses that I'm working with are feeling the same things and nobody's talking about it. And I thought if we could just get a bunch of nurses in the room together to hash it out and talk about it, um, without management and without patients and without call bells going off and, uh, without your family around, you know, like how much could we gain from each other? and learn from each other as far as managing the stress and han- handling the traumas, you know, because at some point you got to handle it. And so then I thought if we could do that for nurses, then that would be fantastic. So that's where I got the idea for next level nursing is, you know, getting nurses together so that we could learn from each other. And what are we going to do next? What's, what's going to be that next level for us? And that was where I got the next level nursing. <music>
1: Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. Today, I have the honor and pleasure of introducing you to Jenny Floyd.
0: I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for about 13 years now. I live in the state of Texas. I'm originally born and raised in Arizona. Kids and work pretty much keeps me busy. I've been in the ICU and, uh, and the ER, mostly the ER for throughout my career
1: what kind of led you to becoming a nurse? Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose nursing and a little bit about what that process was like for you in your life?
0: For me, um, I did not grow up wanting to be a nurse, right? It was never my, um, it wasn't my dream career as as a kid or as a teenager. You know, I always thought I would be a teacher. I always thought I would teach math, um, which what I know about myself now, that would have been um, an abysmal fail. I, um, so I probably would not have been great at that. Uh, but in my twenties, early twenties, when I was you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I, I landed on nursing. I knew my personality, I needed to do something that I was helping people, um, and making a difference. Uh, my youngest brother has down syndrome. So I've always, and he's only, he's just right behind me. I'm eight years older than him and I'm from a big family, but So I've always had that natural caretaker role just built in. Um, My mom is a liver transplant patient. So growing up, she was sick with some liver stuff. So I have that natural caretaker role just kind of built in. Um, But I didn't, um, I didn't go, I didn't pursue it. And I think that was just um, youth and immaturity. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. What was my next step to go to nursing school? I didn't have all of those answers. Uh, So my mom had a liver transplant. I had kids in my twenties and uh, which was an easy decision for me. I didn't, it wasn't a hundred percent sure on my career, but I was a hundred percent sure. I knew I wanted to be a mom. And so we had a family young. Uh, And then in my thirties, I cycled back to it. Like it was time I'd stayed home with kids for about 12 years. And when my youngest was a year, um, it was just I just hit a point where I actually had postpartum depression after I had him. And so coming out of that, um, I decided I just was going to go back to school and I cycled, I had that point I had cycled back to nursing for the same reasons I knew I needed to be helping people. I knew I needed to make a difference in some way. So that was, uh, That was so. That was when I started my prereqs, and I didn't. uh, I graduated from nursing school. I was thirty-five when I graduated and started working as a nurse, and that was uh, nursing school with four kids, and (laughs) it was. uh, um, It's doable. It's always doable, but uh, it was it was an experience for sure.
1: Wow! And so, how long were you in nursing school?
0: I did my prereqs, and I always qualify this. I don't say it because it's um, like a feather in my cap, but I you know, when you have four kids in their little schools, elementary that, that, you know, that's your priority. So I did night school and I did my prereqs really slow. I took one or two classes a semester, um, because that's what I could manage at home and still manage book reports and dioramas and, you know, all of the elementary school year homework. And then when I got into nursing school, um, that was when I put you know my kids were in daycare at that point they were older and it was it was a little easier to manage
1: we talk on this podcast a lot about you know getting into nursing school people graduating from college going to nursing school or like how they're finding their way but there's a lot of people out there that don't always know that they wanted to be a nurse or in the in the healthcare field and um i love that you you had an idea about it maybe in your 20s but didn't really yeah. actively start going after it until later in life and still very young but after you had already started a family and already started yeah getting your roots down. And then, you know, I think it's very uh, inspiring to show that, like, you don't have to do everything just right away. You don't have to just, you don't have to follow the rules of, oh, high school, college, this, this, that people get stuck in. I mean, life, that's not what life is. Life is about, you know, go being a mom, going, saying, hey, I know that this is what I want to do. You, you're in love. This this happens yeah. first. Things don't always happen in the order that, yeah. we, that they're yeah. going to. That's what I'm trying to say. But, um, I love that you came to a point in your life where you said, OK, now it's time for me to I, I have the time and a little bit more freedom to right. go and um, give back and do something that I'm passionate about and uh, can still like, you know, justify being away from your children and being away from Yeah, your, his, yeah. His work long hours. And it's a hard, hard, hard life. Sometimes I know that being in the ICU and ER is no joke. Can I ask you why you chose Um, emergency medicine, uh, as, as in nursing, as, uh, as a career, as opposed to, you know, I, I, I'm still learning along with everyone else about all of the career paths that nurses can take because there are so many of them. Yes. Um, What, what, what drew you to that specialty?
0: When I was in nursing school and you're exposed to the different departments, um, my first instinct was that I would uh, lean towards labor and delivery because labor and delivery nurses just have a, they have a lot of autonomy. And then in nursing school, I realized, you know, when I did my labor and delivery rounds, um, clinicals that I didn't love it the way I thought I would, but I loved the emergency room. I loved the pace. I loved, um, not every single patient is really sick, but some of them are. And so I loved the challenge of having to triage a patient and get them to communicate what they're Symptoms are so that I can assess them correctly. You know, I loved the the pace and the acuity level. And personality-wise, um, I'm an E.R. nurse. <laughs> I never would have made it in labor and delivery. They're very sweet and nice nurses, <laughs> and I'm a little salty.
1: <laughs> you have to be in the emergency room.
0: And my my training, though, right out of nursing school, was in um, the surgical ICU at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, and that made all the difference for me. Honestly, ICU is not. Um, it, it isn't. It wasn't natural for me, right? I had to. I had and I and I repeated the residency twice for nurse residency. Uh, for me, that was what I needed to to get the whole picture in my head. When I first came out of nursing school, I was not um, connecting all the dots. Like I just didn't see the whole picture, and so backing out of ICU, going out to, I went to an observation unit for a year and that allowed me to get my time management down, my assessment skills better, my triaging essentially at the bedside. And then I went back to the ICU and retrained. And then I was in the ICU after that uh, for another three years. And that made the hugest difference for me personally, because um, I had to learn to think differently than I naturally do. So then going to the ER after being in the ICU for me was the best transition um, because I already had this really in-depth detailed training that then fostered a, a really um, productive growth in the ER, right So because ER is more focused assessments and the ICU you got to do head to toe and and know all of the stuff you do in the ER too, but we're focused on what's your complaint and you know what's going on right now. Uh, So that was that was my transition. And that um, I loved the ICU. I loved my team. I loved it was a trauma one center. So we got a lot of the traumas and I loved that. Um, But I love the I still do both. I can float to both. And I tell people they're um, apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. But as long as you like fruit, you're okay.
1: I like that. Yeah. So I do have a question about your shifts. Um, I know that starting out, usually I hear that a lot of times starting out nurses have to to do night shift. Um, were you day shift night shift? Was that, what was that like as a mom? Like, did you with your hours, um, if they were night shift, I'm just kind of curious about that.
0: I am a night shifter at heart, right? Like, like deep in my soul, I would work nights forever if I could. It's, um, It's a whole different, it's a vibe. It's its it's its own thing, right? And um, night shift, I did night shift for 12 years. And in the beginning of my career, it was easier because my kids were still little. And so I could be gone at night when my husband was home to care for them. But I was usually home by the time to see them before they went to school. And I was home to pick them up from school. So I could still get dinner going, get some homework started. So that worked well for our family at that time. Um, Night shift is a beating. It just is like you, you go to day shift and realize that you felt like crap for 10 years. You're just, you're constantly, you're just forever tired. You're forever tired. You can sleep. I would periodically have to sleep for 20 hours just to catch up at the end of the month or something like that. But I loved night shift. It was A different vibe. Um, Patients that are admitted in the ER in the night tend to be sicker, uh, Mm -hmm. and you're running with a smaller crew, a few less resources. Uh, So you got to be sharp. You got to be on top of your game. But it's a great uh, learning environment, I think. But but I also think it can be really intimidating as a young nurse because you're trying to balance. It flips your whole life, and so you're trying to balance you know, different schedules and, you know, that takes a lot of communication. And, um, I, <laughs> I've been called more than once by the school to come get my kids. Cause I've forgotten them or slept through my alarm or <laughs> and my kids are pretty easygoing, but the kids we were carpooling with, it really <laughs> made them nervous. They didn't understand why, why a mom, how a mom could forget their kids. <laughs> so the school always knew I was working nights, but yeah, plenty of stories of, uh, Plenty of stories coming off of night shift where I'm sleep deprived and I went to the grocery store one time and I'd just gotten off shift and bought like $120 worth of groceries and I got home and it was all produce. (laughs) There was no, there was no, no milk, no eggs, no bread, no cereal, no meat, (laughs) just... Produce, just,
1: yeah,
0: you know, fruit. <laughs> yeah just yeah, we're going to have fruit salad the rest of the week.
1: <laughs> you had apple and oranges on the mind. I see you. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, hat off to you for sure. I mean, I don't even know how being a mom of four and then also working night like chefs, um, you know that is not easy at all because you're in a high stress environment, working those shifts, and then you're coming home to a whole family who needs you. And you know you're trying to sleep during weird hours, and I um, know it does take a major toll on the body. But like you say, you know some people are more night owl type yeah. of people, yeah. and people are more early yeah. risers. I myself used to be more of a night owl and I feel like I still am, but I'm just, you know, I'm just tired all the time now. So
0: yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just old now. I just want to sleep yeah. any time of day or night. I'll sleep.
1: Yeah. It's a skill. It's like a sleeping skill. I want to talk to you. I want to segue a little bit into next level nursing and a little bit about how that started, what it is for people who are listening and watching. Can you kind of introduce next level nursing? What inspired this?
0: Absolutely. So in 2019, I had um, taken a break from the bedside for a year. Um, I just hit a point where I, I have always loved being a nurse, love being a nurse. I have never had a shift where I dreaded driving to work and didn't want to be there. And then I got to that point where I loved being a nurse and I hated my job. Mm. And so um, and we'd had a number of really stressful events in my department. And the reality of those events, there was three very specific events. and in my mind, they were all right on top of each other. In reality, on the calendar, they're about they're about nine and ten months apart. And when I was talking to another nurse about that, and she was saying, No, that was you know, that was in January and this was in October, you know, these things that were happening. And I realized, you know, we were looked, when we figured out, you know, all these dates of these stressful events and I realized how far apart they actually were. But in my mind I had condensed them so close together that I realized that's, that can't be healthy. I'm condensing all of this stress and traumatic events. They were really big um events and I was just um grouchy. I, I was showing up and you know, I was the nurse that showed up and just complained for twelve hours, right? People put up with it because I'm funny, but <laughs> I was just showing up and just complaining and for twelve hours, right? And so I took a break from the bedside and I took a, a job working from home as a home triage nurse on the phone. And that I did that for a year. And that was when the pandemic hit. Um well in the fall of 2019 when I left the bedside is when I was thinking it, it, and I remember the moment that I had this thought talking to a friend of mine who was not a nurse, but I when I told people I was leaving the bedside because I was burnt out, it I got a really um it was just an interesting response from different people. Um managers that I, that I love that I worked for again afterwards. Um, but their response was I'm leaving the ER to go work at home. And their response was, I'm going to, you're going to be so bored. And at the time I thought, I don't, I, yeah, good. I, I need to be bored for a while. Right. I need to like, my just brain just needed to decompress. Um, But nobody, but if you told other ER nurses that you're burnt out, I think it honestly made them uncomfortable because you're, it kind of had the stigma of weakness at the time. And this is all pre-pandemic, right? And, but I'm a strong person. I'm resilient. I have, I mean, I can take a lot, right? Like I've got some broad shoulders to, you know, carry and I just felt like if I'm strong and confident and resilient and I feel this way, you know, then I know the other strong and confident and resilient nurses that I'm working with are feeling the same things and nobody's talking about it. And so at the time I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine and I thought if we could just get a bunch of nurses in the room together to hash it out and talk about it, Um, without management and without patients and without call bells going off and uh, without your family around, you know, like how much could we gain from each other um, and learn from each other as far as managing the stress and handling the traumas, you know, because at some point you got to handle it. And so that idea right there, I've been to other conferences and seminars for other reasons outside of the medical field and really got a lot out of them. And I thought if we could do that for nurses, then that would be fantastic. So that's where I got the idea for next level nursing is, you know, getting nurses together so that we could learn from each other. And what are we going to do next? What's what's going to be that next level for us? And that was where I got the next level nursing. So that's what I did. So I started next level nursing. We had our first conference in February. It was leap year, February 29th of 2020. But that conference um, was small, but impactful. And the feedback that we got from the conference was that our content was spot on. It's what nurses needed. We focused on we focused on burnout, um entrepreneurship. we focused on negotiations. And then I did a creative writing session. And what we found was the creative writing session I knew would only appeal to I knew I anticipated it only appealing to a small group of people, right? They're not everybody's a writer, right? So but um, journaling and writing is such a huge, powerful tool. There's all kinds of evidence-based, you know, for just processing uh, trauma or emotions or, your own narrative, right, in life that getting it out on paper, the process of getting it out of your head and on paper um, is uh, therapeutic, right? And so that's why I wanted the creative writing session just for journaling purposes or creative writing purposes. But that was what I wanted it for, knowing it wouldn't appeal to probably everybody. And they loved it. They loved it. I had a nurse there that was there conference. I hadn't met her before, and um, like me, kind of an ER nurse personality, and um, doesn't take any lip from anybody. Just a um, a strong nurse, and she busted out a poem. And I was like, because they had a session where we did. They gave us a prompt, and then you could write. For they gave us ten minutes to write just brain dump on a paper, write what you want to write. And she knocked out a poem. Just I kept looking at her thinking, you had a poem sitting inside you? Like you just just had a poem waiting to get out, right? Um, And so people loved that session. In the fall, summer of 2020, after the conference, I went back to the bedside. I took a crisis assignment because I just felt like I have a good skill set. It's needed right now. And nurses were just taking a beating. Mm-hmm. So, for me, my motivation to go back to the bedside was to support nurses. Of course, I wanted to be there to help patients. that's I'm good at that, and that's great. But my motivation was to go be bedside to help nurses to to be that support and help fill in a gap, you know. Um, and so, with that shift in my mindset, I'm going in to help nurses and having a year off from the bedside, allowed me to step into a crisis assignment fresh and coming from the place of that conference where we where I knew my content was on point, it helped me relate to relate to my coworkers throughout the pandemic and the crisis assignment so that um, so I kept my eye out on them, right? I whatever nurse I was working with, you're checking on them. How are you feeling today? What do you What do you got going? And then these nurses that were brand new, coming out of graduating, and the pandemic is all they knew. It's all they knew. That's a whole different level of stress. Whole different level of stress. Um. So I, I'm so glad I had that year off. Um. Because and at the time I thought I was burned out. I was burned out. Hmm. But what we know now is burnout is a whole different animal now, right after the pandemic, right? And so, so the year of the pandemic, next level nursing, we held a writing conference, and um, with cash prizes, and so we uh, just a writing conference for all levels of nursing, and so we got a lot of entries in, but just with some great stories. It was some were fiction, some were um, nonfiction. Uh, and we have those, uh, the winners up on our website, but there were some great stories that came out of that, uh, out of the pandemic. That was a great project. And we'll do that. We'll do another one at, at some point. I haven't got the details worked out on when we'll do another writing contest, but that was really fantastic experience um, just to hear other nurses' perspective and stories.
1: Yeah. I mean, you touched base on so many important things. I I love the perspective of you wanting to be there for other nurses because Honestly, I haven't really heard that a lot. I, I hear like, oh, I want to help patients, patients, patients. But nurses need to support each other. You guys are the ones who understand what's going on, what you're going through, what your days are like, what yeah. your hours are like, what kind of equipment you have, what you need, what you don't have, you know, and no one else is going to be able to understand that, but you guys who are in it together. And yeah. I, I'm curious a little bit about that. Did you, have you ever seen a lot of nurse bullying? And I know that there's some topics on, um, you know, nurses, bullying nurses. And did you, did you notice that? Did you notice there was more of a Kamari um, once the pandemic hit and, and people kind of had to come together more? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, when I came out, like I said, I graduated when I was 35 and I'm a pretty strong personality. So bullying me would, is a difficult thing to do, uh, you, you know, but but nurses even that's only been 13 years ago that um, the nurses are famous for eating their young, right? They always have been. And it's it's tough. It doesn't need to happen. And I've seen a huge shift in that. And I think it's fantastic. In my experience, the nurse bowling that I've seen isn't isn't in an effort to just put somebody down or be mean or, and and I know, I know other nurses that have had that situation. Um, but it is tough to train somebody with the correct sense of urgency
2: Mm.
0: without a little bit of bite sometimes. And that has been, I think there's a good transition taking place with that. Um, and I, uh, I'm good I'm friends with a nurse right now that, um, when I precept, her and it and i'm not a great preceptor actually because of because of this reason i think we're having a normal conversation and and then somebody cries and i think well shit i didn't mean to make her cry like i didn't i i think so some of it is personality and some of it is i'm trying to convey this in this really important sense of urgency that um and and you're literally dealing with. A scenario where you could hurt somebody or take their life or make a, a life altering mistake, I don't always have times to say, you know, the pro con pro that they teach in management, right? I got to give you, uh, say something positive and then give you the feedback and then end it with something positive. I don't always have time to do that. I have time to say, um, this medication has to be given at this time over this amount of minutes and this is the correct dose and route and you didn't do it. And then And then we'll talk about it later, but in that moment, you know, so I don't always think that the nurse bullying has come up from just that damaging perspective. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a really great thing to talk about because you are right. I don't think it's always with a malice intent. Um, I don't think it's always coming from a place of like, we're better than you. Like, oh, you just, you're a brand new nurse. I think it comes from being protective, trying to be safe, taking the job seriously, because now you're in it, you've been doing it a while, you you haven't been a new nurse for a while. And so you've come in with all this experience and knowledge that you're also trying to share onto this new newer nurse who may be just coming out of nursing school and into this whole, you know, crazy ER situation yeah. that you are. Not only dealing with other patients' lives, the nurses are also dealing with their own careers, their own licensing—you know—problems that could happen. I mean, yeah. look at that nurse who who was recently uh, convicted from a mistake. And so it it's it's in a way, I think you could even argue that um, what one could perceive as bullying is actually um, a protective person trying to say, Hey, like, don't screw this up. Like we have this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that there is bullying on the other, other way as well. I mean, I'm sure, sure.
0: Yeah. It, it's there. It's there yeah. for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's for but, sure there. Yeah. And as, as a preceptor, it's really, it's a, it's a sometimes a tough balance to strike where I'm conveying that sense of urgency and I'm giving you the proper training. But when, and this is true across the board in life, if you're in, if you're intimidated, you don't learn well,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? If I'm intimidated in a moment, then we all do it. It's just human nature, right? Then I go to my protective instincts and I don't want to look stupid. And I don't want to look like I don't know anything. And I don't want to make a stake in front of all these people. And, and so
1: You don't. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I want to
0: make sure that that nurses know they can come to me and ask a question and I'm going to teach them. And so and especially for my personality, because I can be pretty abrasive sometimes. Right. Um, And so I've had to really be conscious of that, you know, so that you're helping somebody learn and and not being really intimidating because nobody learns like that. You know, it's just tough. It's just tough. And I had great preceptors that were uh, hard on me. I never had anybody that was unkind or just bullying me uh, blatantly, um, but they um, they held my feet to the fire, you know, and that was in an ICU setting and they had to, but yeah, I learned a lot from them. It's a tough, um, it shouldn't happen. And I'm seeing a huge shift in that trend. Uh, and I, what I've really, really loved and you can, I get all my generations mixed up. I don't know if they're Gen Xers or millennials, or I don't even, I don't even know who they are anymore, but that the shift in nursing, I think, um, that's happening is because of them, that new, those, the, the 20 year olds now in that decade of life, they're bringing this whole different perspective to nursing.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think it's, um, they're not, they don't have an eight to five mentality where it's, you know, so they work their three days and those other four days off are for their life, right? They're doing cool things and they've got adventures and trips and they're do, going places. And so, and they're all really cohesive. You know, when I worked the crisis assignment, this, um, in the pandemic, it was a really young unit, a really young unit. Uh, The average experience was there was a handful of nurses that had a lot of experience, but there was the majority like three to four to five years experience, which is pretty young. A lot of two to three year experience nurses and they backed each other up. They were really cohesive. And I think uh, that's an incredible asset for these young nurses coming into the field now. What they're bringing is that fresh perspective Mm -hmm. of. Uh, work, work life balance. I always, I always think that's such a catchphrase because it's just an impossible balance, right? Like some days work wins and some day life wins, right? But they're bringing a different perspective to how to balance that and setting boundaries. And, and, and then because of that, we're seeing this huge shift in the nursing mentality in terms of, Um, Not eating our young.
1: It sounds like more of a team mentality, which takes Mm me back to next level nursing because that's what you're trying to cultivate there is saying, hey, we're all in this together. We're all experiencing the same traumas, the same hours, the same obstacles we need to talk about what we're going through because if we don't, we're all going to lose, you know, we've got to lean together because every, every job is important across the whole team. And if people are feeling bad and they're not saying it, the whole team is just going to be deflated because you're going to feed off of that. There's going to be mess up mistakes, you know, and mm-hmm. mental health yeah. is really, really important thing. I mean, nurse suicide, um, you yeah, know, absolutely. all kinds of things and, 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 we need to protect our nurses. It's why I really wanted to have you on this podcast because um, I can tell you advocate for nurses. You're you're trying to make a difference. You're trying to um, help make them more cohesive um, as as more of a team and say, hey, let's talk about this together. There's no shame in this. Um, yeah. it, let's have a support group, a nurses support group, kind of a thing. And I I love that because we can't talk if we don't talk about things. We're not gonna be able to fix them. And I think people yeah. kind of, they step away from it. They're a little like, Oh, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this, but we yeah. need to talk about what's actually happening so that we can, yeah. you know? And Yeah.
0: And I think too, that when, in, in the research I've done and the reading I've done dealing with burnout specifically um, and this was, and this was pre pandemic, right? Actually I found this book during the pandemic, I believe, right at the beginning. Uh, and it's called, it's called burnout. The um, secret to unlocking the stress cycle and it's two sisters, Emily and Amelia Nagoski, um, and in that book, um, the, they're both incredibly educated. And but and the reason the book appealed to me is because it talks about burnout and self care, but it talks about it in terms of evidence based research, not a bubble bath right? Like a, a bubble bath is relaxing, but that is, that doesn't fix your head, you know? And so uh, that book gives some great feedback and steps and and routines to do to kind of deal with that, with that burnout. But when I was reading the book, one of the, there was a quote in there and it, um, it, just, it has stuck with me since then. Exhaustion happens when you get stuck in the same emotion. And so when we get, stuck in stress and burnout and um, anxiety for a nurse at the, you know, when you get stuck in that, you, and I, it just, that was like the, one of the most clarifying sentences I've ever read in my life. I'm like, that's why I'm exhausted because every day in nursing is the same, right? You're dealing with life and death, sick. People are mad. You've got to get everything done on time. It's an incredibly stressful environment. I love it, (laughs) but it's incredibly stressful. And so when you get stuck in that and you're not processing it, that's when you get exhausted. And then that, then you're just stuck on that hamster wheel of burnout. Yeah. I
1: think your body gets stuck in like a kind of a fight or flight mode because I feel like, yeah, when you're stuck in such a thing your body can't tell the difference like am I being chased by a bear right now and I'm going to or I know when I get nervous I sweat a lot it can happen in social anxiety it could happen Mm -hmm. if a bear were chasing me it could happen however my body reacts the same way it it doesn't know
0: right and that's what and she actually it's funny that you said that that the book um that's exactly what they talk about you know that we're in that fight or flight and if we don't for the most part Uh, we don't have the tools to stop the cycle like caveman you're chased by a bear chased by a tiger you run back to your village all your friends come help you kill the bear or the tiger you eat the tiger for dinner i've won i've completed this whole cycle i go to bed happy and not not stressed because i've had this full circle of, of experience emotional experience and for us in this society Um, and just last night I came home from a very stressful shift and we lost a patient and, uh, my husband was going to bed. It's, you know, 10 o'clock is, are you coming up to bed? I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sleep for another hour and a half. I'm so wound up right now. I don't, you know, um, because I didn't, and I didn't do what I should have done, which is go for a 30 minute walk or read or, you know, something that I know calms my mind, um. And so I did, I, you know, so I ended up talking to my husband for another 30 minutes or so. And then you're able to kind of just process it a little bit. But um, it's a specific, it's a physiological thing in your body. you got to complete that that cycle to get rid of it. Yeah. So we do talk about that a lot in Next Level Nursing Burnout, just because that's obviously my, what got it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next conference that we're having this year, uh, burnout is a huge one, but we're also going to bring in what I've tried to focus on is subjects that I feel like support the nurse and give them tools to avoid burnout. Right. So for example, um, overtime is a huge contributor to burnout, right? Cause you're working so many hours and uh, it's tough for me to even bring that one up as an example. Cause I'm it's overtime to work. I will work it. Um, you know, we, In our early years, I hardly, we hardly, that was how we planned for vacations. I would work two or three extra shifts. And then, you know, that was, that pays for your whole vacation. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: But overtime is a huge contributor to burnout, obviously, because it's just, it's more of the same. Um, And so, what are the reasons nurses are working overtime? Well, they're financial reasons, right? So, do you need to learn to negotiate for yourself better so you have a higher wage Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: that you have more income? Do you need to learn to uh, budget and invest so you have more financial freedom and you don't have to work that overtime? So we're trying to bring in some other subjects this year, like um, we'll have financial wellness uh, so that we can address that issue, right? Um, Because if you're financially fit, um, that takes so much stress out of your life right? And your money is working for you and you're not always working for your money. That's a huge shift in your mindset. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: the, um, the financial thing that'll be uh, the financial wellness, that'll be another great addition this year. We have, um, an artist that she is a nurse practitioner and started her career as an LVN and worked all the way through. And now she no longer practices, but she's a full-time artist. And that was her outlet all along was art. So she's going to do a session for us just on using that creative outlet uh, for processing, um, all of that stuff. And then uh, we'll have um, speaker on resilience. And then um, we're going to have a legal nurse consultant uh, speak. that's a whole nother career path you can take with nursing. Uh, So we're bringing in some new, new subjects, but I think they'll all serve nurses well in the, in the same way to, to boost your confidence, educate yourself. And, you know, just to empower you with more knowledge, more education, more experience, you're going to get burnout. out. You're going to get stressed, but so avoiding it, isn't going to work, but processing it and um, learning from it and helping each other is, is the goal.
1: If you could tell us when this event is, are people. Oh, to sign up for this event? Can they still get involved? Is this an event you do every single year? Are you going to do, try to do it more often? Just give us a little rundown if, if people who are listening, uh, watching, who want to maybe join this or get involved somehow.
0: This conference this year is October 14th and 15th in San Antonio, Texas on the Riverwalk. Um, the website is nextlevelrn.com and you can get tickets there. It's 129 a person for uh, both days. So all together 129, which is a screaming deal for a two day conference. Uh, we've got MDF Instruments on board um, as a sponsor. We're working with a couple other sponsors right now as well. And um, I think I'm excited. I think it's gonna be fun just to have that many nurses together. And um, we've got some phenomenal speakers coming up. The original conference that I did, I was not concerned about CEUs or, you know, continuing education credits because it just was, that was not my point. My point wasn't your nursing license or what the hospital needs from you or what administration wants you to do. My point was the nurse. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to focus on the nurse, but nurses are busy and they don't have time to do all the things they want to do and get everything thing done and so we are bringing in some continuing education credits this this conference so I think that'll help with nurses um, wanting to get there so then they're kind of getting more out of it and getting some CEUs um, so that'll be another big change for this conference this year that we're really excited to offer um, I would love to be able to do a conference yearly ends uh, but we loved the writing contest so right now my thought is do I do a conference one year and a writing contest the next year? Do we do them both? Um, so we're still hashing that out uh, right now.
1: Yeah, that's so great information. $129, what a deal that is. Amazing. There's yeah. going to be all kinds of value in this. Um, and spread the word, please, anyone listening or watching that might even know a nurse that might be interested in this. Is, it's a great, a great, great, great conference that's going to be going on. We're excited to... To uh, follow along the journey and see how it goes. All the things that you're doing are amazing. I'm really inspired by you. I'm so glad that you reached out because um, all these things you talk about are so important. And I love how you're just very honest with it. You're very direct with it. You don't try to sugarcoat it, you know. And um, that's, I think, that's the honesty that we need right now in the world, so that we can actually make a difference.
0: Thank you, thank you. It's yeah, it's been fun. It's yeah, passion project, I guess.
1: Yeah, I have to ask. Like, I'm curious. Um, being a nurse in in the ICU and in the ER before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic, um, I, there's been a lot of controversy about nurses and about what what was done to them. Um, not not just in the, the hours that they had to work, but in this kind of martyr. Uh, martyr guys that they got kind of put under um, without the supplies that they needed, that kind of thing, but also just being, um, being forced vaccinated and, and and that kind of stuff. Do you have any perspective on what it was like for you or the kind of the temperature of n- nurses and how they're feeling? Because I hear, you know, sometimes um, us like as MDF instruments, You know, we did a poem actually for nurses, and this was before the pandemic. And it was kind of just about how um, how they're heroes and all of the things that they do, and how they're you know they're working their hours, they're missing their holidays, they're doing you know all these things that nurses do. And it's meant to be a compliment, but I know that there was some kickback during the pandemic when people were calling nurses heroes and all that, and they're like, we didn't sign up for this. We don't want to be a, a hero. We just want to do our jobs, you know, and we need, we need what yeah. we need to be able to do our jobs. Do you, I just kind of curious, like the temperature of what is, what is going on now and how nurses are feeling.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> um, nurses are done. They're done.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: if you don't want to pay a nurse, they're leaving. And, and nurses aren't, the travel contracts are paying more. Um, obviously they always have, but nurses aren't staying. They're not staying for a lot of reasons, the statistic. And I apologize. I can't quote the source. I'm trying to remember where I read this. I'll try to, I'll try to find the source so that I can shoot you. I'll tag you the article or if I can find it again, but it estimated, it, it was saying 25% of nurses have left the field, not the department department. They didn't switch jobs, they left nursing. We're down a quarter, 25% of the industry left after after and because of the pandemic. And that's layered. There's a lot of layers to that, right? The the great awakening everybody calls it, right? Well, nurses um some of it was pay, some of it was the how they were treated by hospital administration. Right? How some of it is it 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 was difficult to to watch people die. You know, we're even in a trauma ICU, you in a trauma center you probably see more deaths than average because uh, trauma is sudden, right? And and sometimes you just can't save them. And so you that is not uncommon, but and and these are like numbers out of my own head right now. But I can I'm thinking you could go a week without a patient dying, you know, previous, like you could work your whole shift and, you know, all of your shifts that week and, and nobody died. And you might even go, you know, the unit might have a death, but you didn't have it and you didn't have a code personally on your own shift. And then the pandemic, people were dying every single shift. That is a lot to process. It's a lot. And they were alone. So you're holding the hand of strangers as they're leaving this world because their family can't be there and their family's watching on an iPad. It was a FaceTime experience, you know? And so putting that, so, so the reasons nurses left is, is varied and valid. For those of us that are still here and that's the conference theme. Mm -hmm. We're still here. Nurses are done. If management can't figure out how to keep them. And and this is a true across the board prior pre pandemic to now. Most hospitals have more in their budget for hiring than they do for retention. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Right. Oh, yeah. So. um,
1: Value. The employees Mm -hmm. that are working there for you, who have been loyal, who are giving their energy and their life, like it should be reversed.
0: And there are a lot of hospitals that did great things to keep their nurses and, and tried to level out that, uh, the, the pay grade so that, um, and I get it. I showed up and worked in a crisis contract in a crisis scenario. And I was making three times what the nurse next to me, what the staff nurse next to me was making. Right. Um, of course they would go and find another job doing what I'm doing. They're doing the same thing. Of course they would go find where they're going to be paid more. And so I think a lot of hospitals did do some really great things to, um, compensate their staff nurses. Um, but now it's going to be an interesting transition over the next couple of years. Um, to see how hospitals, um, how they, how they navigate these waters. And I honestly, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. And I think about this all the time. The the conversations I have with nurses and that my own opinion is it is incredibly difficult pill to swallow that you can't give me more than a 2% raise, which is like 70 cents, you know, um, But the
2: C-suite
0: is they're on million dollar, you know, you have CEOs that are making a million dollar salary plus a bonus. Mm -hmm. That's tough to swallow. So it's difficult to um be loyal to a to a hospital when you don't feel like they're loyal to you. Mm -hmm. And that's um so it's gonna be an interesting, the next couple of years are gonna be pretty interesting and pretty telling. Um, And so, but the general feel for nurses that I'm getting is they're just done. And I get the other side of it too. Hospitals can't just keep paying these huge rates, right? But their staff nurse leaves because they don't retain the staff nurse. And then they bring in a traveler and pay them what they wouldn't pay the staff nurse. So you get stuck on that hamster wheel And and I don't have an MBA. I I never studied economics. I you know, so I don't I don't have the answer. But I do know as a nurse, I will never be without a job and I can go wherever the hell I want to go. So it's gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, I I don't blame them at all. And I I think um is there a lot of pay transparency among nurses? Because I wonder that too. You know, people sometimes get a little weird about like what they're being paid or hospitals or employers will sometimes not really like you to be very honest or verbal about what you're getting paid. And so there's not a really great way to kind of gauge, oh, she's making this, I'm making this, he's making this, mm-hmm. you know, where where do yeah. I fit? But I think as more pay transparency comes to light, mm-hmm. because I you know that people, they post it on social media TikTok, Instagram, like those yeah. they're putting the nomination out there. And then people go, Well, wait a second, I've been working at this hospital for 10 plus years. I'm not making near that kind of money. You're bringing in someone who's only gonna be here for 13 weeks and paying them, you know, how right. you're paying me. Right. Um, right. And I'm supposed to feel valued. How am I supposed to show up the best I can yeah. when I'm right. like that?
0: And I've always said my whole career, I don't I don't need to go to work to to be appreciated. I'm going to work to be compensated,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I chose my job, right? So I, I'm here to be compensated for my skill set. So when and the the pay transparency, um, on
2: this,
0: I don't know. This might be a pretty polarizing statement to make, but there's all kinds of research and evidence behind it. the The lack of pay transparency only serves white men it serves nobody else it serves nobody else that lack of pay transparency is what uh, contributes to a gap in gender pay that's what keeps people of color not making the same you know that it's the lack of transparency so if you ask me what i make an hour i am absolutely going to tell you every single time now during the crisis contract, they did ask us not to talk about what we're making uh, while we're at work, and I get it. It was three and four times what these other nurses were making. I get that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, and and so because of that, with and like we said, I was there to support the nurses. So I show up and I'm making four times what you're making. Absolutely, I'll help you bathe your patient. Absolutely, I'll go get your medications. Absolutely, I'll stay late. Because you needed to finish something and I I'm gonna help you do it. Absolutely. Every time. I also worked my ass off because I know I'm making more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I tried to buy <laughs> I tried to buy them, I bought dinner like every payday. I would try to buy dinner for the unit, right? Because I'm making great money. But um without that transparency factor figured into pay rates, um, and my husband and I have this argument all the time. He said, but you know, so what if some one guy doesn't negotiate well, you know, so he doesn't negotiate well. So the company, they're always going to want to pay you the least, right? Cause they're making, they're there to make money in any scenario.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
0: then, so I'm doing the same job. Um, but I didn't, I didn't use the right words and I didn't use the right phrasing. And so I don't get the same, I don't get the higher offer. With the same skill set, you know. So pay transparency to me. Obviously, that that gets me going, Brooke. <laughs> but
1: yeah, well, uh, it seems like there's a lot to to talk about there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so much. And
1: well, I would uh, just say for anyone listening or watching, like shoot for the moon. You know, when you're going into negotiating mm-hmm. for yourself, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask for a raise. Know know your value. Know your worth. Advocate. Yeah. For yourself. Because no absolutely. one
0: absolutely.
1: You know, and and that you know, you can only control what you can control. And it sounds like, from what you're saying, the best way to combat inequality in pay and um, is by standing up for yourself and knowing your worth and and your value, and saying, "This is what I'm asking for. If you're not going to give it to me, there's another place that will." Or just Mm -hmm. being able to negotiate that, because you never know unless you ask.
0: Right, right.
1: No, which is the no you already have anyway.
0: Right. And right now there's so many jobs out there. The the best position to be in, I've heard two things. One is don't negotiate if you're not willing to walk away. Right. Because if you don't get it, then, then you're going to have to go look for something else. My other favorite phrase is I was looking for a job when I found this one.
2: Mm.
0: Right. And as a nurse, we're in a great position right now there's jobs everywhere so I can definitely
1: not a lack of need nor will will there ever be because people are sick and we always yeah yeah
0: yeah and I was just in a scenario recently where I was asked to not mention uh a pay scale or a job offer or you know that involved a a bonus kind of thing and um but she's you know that was said she asked me to keep it between her and HR and me and I was like I can't guarantee that I'll do that she said, "I'm sorry." I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm unwilling to tell you that I will keep this between you and I."
1: Yeah, isn't it funny though? Secrets never end well. Like, no, no, ever. Keep, no one's ever asking you to keep a secret for a good reason. Ever really? I mean, the truth will set you free. It's a quote for,
2: but it's
1: meant to keep us separated. They're meant to uh, keep us from uh, elevating ourselves from, and, and and it comes from a selfish place, like asking someone to keep a secret about what they're making is only protecting, like you said, is protecting the hospital from having to shell out more money to maybe the nurses that they should be paying more because maybe that nurse is new and doesn't know better or hasn't learned these lessons yet. And maybe if she knew, well, this other new nurse over here who has just as much much experience as me, or maybe I have more, is making a lot more than me. I should have, I should ask for a raise.
2: Yeah, They don't want
1: that because they're trying to get by yeah at the end of the day it's business and that's what they're doing but Mm -hmm. I mean the best way that we as this is just as a working people in general it can pertain to anyone is just to say know your value don't be afraid to ask for it um and basically uh never need something you know what I mean by that is never have the mentality of I need this job always have the mentality of abundance of Like you said, I was looking for a job when I found this one. There are going to be other opportunities and you can't find something better for you if you're stuck somewhere that you don't belong, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, too. And and we have the negotiation um, session in our conference. And that was uh, we got so much feedback from that one at the first conference because it was just it's tangible. And she gives you the speaker. Her name is Jennifer as well. She Jennifer gives you hands on um, tangible steps to take when you're negotiating. And one of the things that she said that I was like, that's such a brilliant, it's so simplistic and also so brilliant. What um, you let them come to you with a number, you don't present a number first. And when they ask you what you want, your response is, I want what's fair. I want to be fairly compensated.
2: Yeah. And then
0: that can start the conversation about numbers so that they know. Um, and it's so simple, but it's just speaks volumes, right? What do I want? I fair. You're gonna pay me what's fair compensation for my skill set.
1: Absolutely. Do nurses ever have um like liaison, a person that would negotiate for them, kind of like an actor would have an agent to negotiate the rate? Is there is there that happening at all, or are you pretty much just all on your own?
0: I am unaware of one. I know there's probably scenarios in states where nurses, where there's nurses unions, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's that. I know that, and I'm not well read on unions. um, So I don't know the whole process, Brooke, but I know that that's one of the benefits of a union is um, higher rates because you do have somebody coming in and negotiating rates, you know, accepted rate levels is my understanding of that process.
1: I think Um, in more empathetic type of careers, generally healthcare is a very empathetic career. You have to want to help people, be there for them, care for them, be there for their most vulnerable moments. Make it your, it's not an easy job at all. It takes a certain kind of person and a certain kind of heart. And I feel like, I can't help but feel like in similar career paths where it takes a lot of heart or a, a certain kind of kindness or generosity in a person that there is this kind of blanket of taking advantage of that. And so nurses who are, have those qualities or doctors or anyone in that, like you're gonna be less inclined to say, Hey, you know.
0: Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of, um, information out there. And I think, again, this is one of those things that I think is shifting, um, but women, in particular, are not known for negotiating well for themselves, mm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, if a woman has to negotiate or advocate for her family, for her child, for her coworkers, then she's a force to be reckoned with. Right? Yeah,
1: watch out. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: But in terms of and i think some of that, that there's a lot of layers to that too right knowing your own worth and being confident in saying this is my skill set this is what i'm bringing to the table i'm always paid for what i am capable of doing you're paying for what i am capable of doing you know if i uh if i just cleaned poop five times and i didn't run a code and i didn't save anybody's life that day did I earn?
1: I don't that? know. cleaning poop.
0: I, I <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't bother me. Do not snot on me. Mm-hmm. Snot coming out is my that's my kryptonite. But I can clean poop all day long. But you know, so there's some days where you know, did I earn that higher level? I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, I'm I was capable that same day
2: mm-hmm. of
0: performing at that higher level, and that's what you're paying me for. You're compensating me for my skill set. You shift that perspective. And when you're negotiating for um, I'm gonna be compensated for my skill set, not my worth as a person and who I am. And, you know, because I think that is where that you if you get that emotion in there, it becomes difficult to negotiate for yourself, right? Um, and I'm the worst. I this is a skill I'm still learning, right? Because I You can give me a number and I'll think, okay. Well, if it's only forty an hour, then I can do this. Okay, so but if I worked four days a week instead of three, then that would make up the difference. Uh, You know, I try to make what they're giving me work, uh, and it just doesn't sometimes. You know, so being able to come back and say, but I think for me that shift in mindset, advocating for myself, this is my go-to because because I'm a mom. But it isn't even; it doesn't have to be your kids as a, or you don't have to be a parent, but you're negotiating. They're paying you for your time away from the rest of your life. So you're going to negotiate. This is the time that you're taking that I'm going to miss the uh, T-ball games and I'm going to miss piano lessons and I'm not going to be there to do homework at night or I'm missing time with my elderly parents or I'm missing a trip with my college buddies or I'm missing that fantastic hike I've been planning and I want to go on. Right. So, when you're negotiating, it's, I think it's important to recognize that you're negotiating for not just your skill set, but the time away from the rest of you, from the things that matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The time away from the things that matter in my life is going to cost you X amount of dollars
1: mm-hmm.
0: for me personally.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great perspective. I think it's you're really spot on with uh, making people understand what exactly it is they're negotiating for because you can get lost in it. It can become emotional, but it's not. It's not emotional. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you have any tips, tricks, hacks for either nursing students or nurses who are in the field now or people who want to be nurses? Anything that you can kind of give a little throw, a little, little golden nugget our way?
0: Oh, I love this question, Brooke. And I've, um, that I read this book, all I ever needed to know. I learned in kindergarten and he, the author talks about a scenario where he's watching, um, kids in his neighborhood out from his office window. He's watching the kids in the neighborhood play hide and go seek. And this kid has hidden under the leaves under a bush and they can't find him. And So the other kids are looking and they're looking and they can't find him. They can't find him. And so rather than keep looking, he's hidden so well, he's ruined the game. And so the kids are, they're losing interest and they're just going to go play a different game because they can't find him. It's not any fun anymore. And so they're just losing interest. And so they're not going to keep looking for him. And so the author says he finally opens the window and he yells out at the kid. He says, Get found, kid. You need to get found. And so the, the lesson in that for me at the time, and it's, it has served me well my entire life, you have to speak up to get found. You can hide really well in front of everybody, but nobody's coming for you. At some point, they're going to stop looking for you. You have to get found. And as a young nurse, that means you got to speak up when you're burnt out or when you're overwhelmed, probably not burnt out in that scenario, when you're overwhelmed and, or when you have a question, you got to get found. You got to speak up and tell your charge nurse, I got to step off the unit for 10 minutes, my brain's spinning. Or, or say this, I'm in waters too deep. I need help with this patient. I I need help. I don't, I don't get the whole picture. I need, I need help understanding this. You can ask a doctor that, right. Um, Older nurses that have, I'm an older nurse without, most people think I come to the unit with 25 years experience, right? Because I'm older than everybody on the unit. I don't, I've only, I only have 13 years of experience. So, so when I say older nurses, I mean uh, more experienced nurses, (laughs) <laughs> and older nurses. I think um our problem, my advice there and my tips and tricks would be get found. Because the older nurses, the more experienced nurses, they're the worst at hiding too well. Mm-hmm. Right? And so and and it's alienating and isolating, and that doesn't serve anybody well. So my biggest tip is to get found. Pandemic was this huge. Magnifying glass on all that's wrong with healthcare, right? And and it's more than just stress and burnout. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother podcast, Brooke, with healthcare <laughs> in America. But um, nobody's coming for you, and and the reasons aren't personal. It, if you're on fire yourself, you can't see anybody else's smoke, right? Like you can't see through the flames to see what's going on around you, and everybody else is in the same scenario. So the reasons nobody stopped to ask you how your shift was aren't because they don't like you. It's nothing personal. It's because they were getting through their own shift. And so I think it's incredibly important and so, 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 so much value. My experience as um, in my adult life, I can tell you so many scenarios where I was the first to speak up about something and then women would come out of the woodwork people would come out of the woodwork i experienced that same thing oh yeah this is how i did it oh yeah postpartum that's a great example when i had postpartum after my fourth kid i didn't have it with any of the other three my fourth kid i have postpartum i have this depression that i don't know how to process or get through Uh, when i finally spoke up and just said uh i I'm, i'm drowning over here like i you know then all these women came through. Oh my gosh. Yes. With my third, I had this and then I had, you know, so once you speak up and advocate for yourself, it makes it okay for everybody around you. Now everybody can have postpartum depression. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? So then you get that conversation going.
1: Hiding is the most lonely thing you can do. Hiding only going to isolate you more. It's going to make you feel more and it's going to make the feelings worse. Uh, I love get found. That's going to be my new motto. Robert Fulgham. It's really great advice. Okay. So I want to ask you, do you have someone who inspires you or uh, do you have Mm -hmm. um, anybody in your life that kind of, I'm, I'm sure you're motivated by your children and your family, your husband, but when you think about, um, what you want to contribute to the world, what you want to be, what you want to emulate—is there a per- person that comes into mind, or an idea, or anything that you kind of like look up to and say, like, this is this is what I want to say at the at the end of all of this. This is what I want to say. I accomplished. Even.
0: Mm, that's a great question, Brooke. Um, right off the top of my head, one person does not come to mind. But I can tell you the the people that inspire me um, are gritty, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
0: Tenacious people. And I love meeting and talking with people who have put themselves in a scenario to leave a legacy. Right? That is so... um, that is so inspirational to me. Cause I think, you know, like you're saying at the end of the day, when, when we're all uh, turning the dust and six feet under, are they going to remember, um, are they going to remember that I started next level nursing? I don't know. Maybe, but I, I are you, le- you know, I think that's the most um, inspiring thing to me is those people who uh, are leaving a legacy. And that doesn't mean, uh, Rich people with yachts. That's not to me. That's not what I'm talking. But that could be. I'd be, be a great legacy. would somebody left me <laughs> You're that legacy. About
1: making an impact. You're about yeah. people yeah. remembering you affecting people. Yes. Yeah. And, and making a, a positive change in their lives. Um, yeah. And leaving something behind that that guides people towards continuing that growth and that journey. Yeah. And as a nurse,
0: you meet so many different people, all walks of life, obviously. She started literally with like a stray dog or a random animal that she rescued and she kept it in her house. And in that was in her early 20s. And um hardcore animal rights active person, you know, personality-wise, that's her thing. And she has a 300 acre animal preserve north of here. Like she grew her passion into, you know, this massive thing where, you know, they take, you know, animals from circuses and, you know, cast off animals and strays and hurts and, you know, but that was her passion and that's the legacy she's left. You know, that's what, so those people, like I say, I don't have to have anything in common with them, but it's always inspiring to me the legacy that people are leaving yeah i think that's where i probably get and
1: more you're doing that i mean you're doing that with the next level nursing you're starting something on your own entrepreneurship of creating the yeah. community of, of people that inspires motivates helps advises uh you know teaches yeah. um, all of all of these people whose lives will be affected by um next level nursing and it's it it's only going to grow, you know. You're thank you,
0: Brooke. I appreciate that. Yeah. Is
1: this the is this the third third year you're doing it because you had to skip a year? Yeah,
0: yeah. So we did 2020 conference, 2021. We did the writing contest, and then 2022 we're doing a conference. Yeah, so really excited. Yeah.
1: yeah. Are there any social media handles or anything for Next Level Nursing? Oh, thanks for
0: asking. Yes, absolutely. Um, Instagram. Is next level with no vowels, N X T L V L R N. And you could obviously search next level nursing. It'll come up on Instagram as well. Uh, Facebook, next level nursing.
1: So is it because I know it's nextlevelrn.com and then Facebook is just next level nursing. Correct. And then, okay. You too. I want to know, like, how did you come across MDF instruments?
0: Oh, because I needed a stethoscope. Yeah. So I have had, um, I have my original stethoscope. That was a gift to me. um, When I graduated nursing school and it um, the tubing cracked and dried and I don't, I didn't know why. So I didn't want to buy that brand again. Um, And actually I haven't used it in a long time. So I went a long time in the, I probably went like a year and a half without my own stethoscope because they grow legs in the ER. Like if you set them down, they walk away. <laughs> they, they just grow legs. So when I was um, looking for another stethoscope, I came across uh, MDF instruments when I was doing my search. And I like the, it's reasonably priced for a great stethoscope. And, you know, like for a nurse, I don't want to spend $500 or $400. on, I don't need to. I think I have the procardial, if I'm not wrong. I think I have the procardial. Um, and for me, I need, I need it to hear well in a busy ER or like when you're running a code, I hate having to like press it down. So I can make sure I'm getting good breath sounds or, you know, where I shoving it in my ears to make sure I'm getting a good sound.
1: Are you, um, involved in any organizations or nonprofits, anything like that?
0: You know what I, uh, I did, I actually ran the chapter, a friend of mine in Dallas, who's a nurse And she'll actually be on our entrepreneur panel. Her name is Mindy. She started um, a a nonprofit um, community outreach program in Dallas. It's called the Blessing Project. And I kept seeing her on social media. And Dallas and San Antonio are about six hours apart. And I always want to go up there to be involved in some of her activities. um, Because my soft spot is the homeless. Um, I'm always... I'm always going to give you five bucks if you're standing on the corner, even if you're buying a beer, I'm still going to give you the five bucks. Um, but the older I got, the more I realized being involved. My five, my $5 given to the guy on the corner is no, but to me that's do it. Don't do it. I don't judge anybody for not doing it or doing it. But what I've realized is as I've gotten older, it doesn't solve the problem, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not, you know, I bought him a beer, I bought him a hamburger or whatever I've done that day, but I haven't solved this problem and I haven't contributed to a solution. And so watching Mindy grow her business and work with her husband on that was super inspiring to me. And so I reached out to her. Um, She was with us on the first conference. And then I, we started the chapter for the blessing project in San Antonio. And I was the director for that. So we did a handful of Projects. So we did a handful of drives where we collected household goods for families that have recently got out of homelessness and have their own place now. But now you have all of the supplies you need. So we did a drive where we donated all of those things. We did one for just Halloween costumes for kids that are in a shelter or just don't have the money for the Halloween costume. So I loved that kind of stuff. It feeds my soul, uh, fills my cup that's, that's my jam. And then the pandemic hit and, uh, my jam was sleeping and, (laughs) and recovering from being a nurse. And so I, I backed way off and I haven't done a drive or an event for the San Antonio chapter. Has it been not quite a year? I did one. Yeah, no, it's been a year last spring. I did one. And I think that was the last time that I did one. So, now that I have the conference kind of lined out and still doing it um not requiring as much as my time, I'm looking forward to doing more events and drives in the fall when I have uh the time and the brain space for it and I think that um I think that's essential for nurses is to find a way that um you can kinda, that you can give back um without a way to give back that fills you up, that doesn't take more from you because mm-hmm. our job already takes. If
1: your job is giving back. Like yeah.
0: I think that, so I think that mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, I don't know if it makes nurses feel guilty, but it's just not always a fair, um, expectation of nurses. Cause that is our job.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, does that make sense? But for me, I love that, that part of, um, being involved in a community
1: that's awesome well jenny thank you so much for joining our crafting wellness podcast oh
0: thank you brooke this was fantastic i, I appreciate it. your uh yeah. support we're excited to work with uh, mdf instruments
1: yeah we're excited for your next level interesting event